Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your daily crypto news. I hope that you're all doing well and that you're all having a great day. As always, leaving a like, leaving a comment, or subscribing, all of these things are very much appreciated as they do help out the channel and the channel's algorithm. Welcome back to another News I Missed, where I go over News I Missed. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. A bill regulating stablecoins within the United States could be introduced as early as this month, according to a report from BlockWorks. An anonymous source has reportedly told BlockWorks that competing versions of a U.S. stablecoin regulation bill could be introduced by the end of this month. U.S. Representative Josh Gottheimer Produced an early draft of the bill in February, the draft proposed a qualified definition that would apply to stablecoins issued by banks and other institutions. The aim of the bill seems to be related to a report on stablecoins from the President's Working Group on Financial Markets, PWG, among other things. That work group suggested that stablecoin issuers should be regulated by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or the FDIC, just as banks are currently regulated. Though there is reportedly some disagreement over the guidance contained within the bills, it is said that the bill's content will generally concern stablecoin reserves. For a lot of you, it even says it right here, bill could avoid tether-like problems. For those of you who have not been in the cryptocurrency space for a long time, this isn't as spoken about as much anymore. A lot of it is already air quotes, regulated, or a lot of the um, other stablecoin issuers within the space have been issued notices by the CFTC or the SEC or the USGOVT uh, that they basically uh, either can or cannot operate. The idea being, uh, as we know, cryptocurrencies are very volatile in price. We got Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, blah, 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 all those other coins. Stable coins, however, are meant to mimic the actual usage of the U.S. dollar. Can you guess what the problem is? These are not created by the U.S. government or the people who are printing or creating the U.S. dollar, and therein lies the problem. We've had news stories a lot of times. I mean, it hasn't been like a cascade of them over the last five years, but relatively, I want to say more than 12 times. We had news years ago that there was an issue in, I believe, China, uh, where people wanted to cross the border to actually trade, buy clothes, whatever they were doing with their own money. However, the problem was is that when they would cross the border, they had to swap into the other currency. They had to stand on one of those long lines, and they had to wait to hand the person the, the dollars or whatever the, the, the currency they were giving them, and then it got swapped back into the other currency. Then they were finally able to buy stuff. It took a very long time, so we started having reports of an uptick in the amount of um, tether that was actually being used in these regions for actual commerce. As you might have imagined, this did not go over very well at all with the Chinese government or the government across the border from wherever they were actually doing it, because once again, uh, it was completely out of their purview. Transactions were happening that the government could not track. And long story short, this is exactly what's happening, I assume, with this bill. Like I said, we don't hear as much about it as we used two years ago. This was like a very major topic, because even I've made fun of it before. The idea basically being, if you look at it mathematically, there's really no need for using a U.S. dollar anymore because you would simply use a stable coin. Well, it's quicker, 
It uh, authorizes automatically a lot of them, not that they're immutable, but you know, their transactions are, you understand what I'm saying, but also the other part being a lot of times, nearly all the time, if you have money in a bank account, your bank is giving you 0.01% per year. A lot of the stablecoin issuers or even the cryptocurrency exchanges, Binance, Coinbase, what have you, have yearly rates of stable coins of around four to seven percent. I think the most I've ever seen was like ten percent. Ten percent is definitely higher than zero point zero one percent. So you would assume that people would be rushing to stable coins as opposing to using the other uh, currencies. So um, unsurprising that they would be working on a bill. I assume there are very light discrepancies inside of it. I assume one side is probably more crypto-friendly than the other, and that's probably the disagreements over what's inside of the bill. But um, this will not affect the wider cryptocurrency market. It will mainly affect issuers of stablecoins, and I assume also cryptocurrency exchanges who are also um, using or have stablecoins listed on their platforms as well. But this is just one of the the very last uh, stops when it comes to regulation and trying to make sure that they have a purview over the entire cryptocurrency space as every government is doing right now because they've rapidly come to the conclusion that cryptocurrencies are definitely here to stay and it's a matter of them trying to wrangle them in and say you can use it but uh before it completely gets out of control like it already kind of is anyway that's the stable coin bill introduction sometime this month possibly news and yeah Let's move on. Next up, and this was quite popular at the time. Kathy Woods, I think her name is Woods. Kathy Wood, excuse me, founder and CIO and CEO of ARK Investment Management, uh, recently shared her thoughts on decentralized finance. Her comments were made during a conversation with John Quelch, dean of the University of Miami Herbert Business School. Wood was introduced by her friend, Mentor and former professor, distinguished American economist, Dr. Arthur Laffer. The video of this interview was released on the 1st of March on the University of Miami's YouTube channel. When Quelch asked Woods how she saw the crypto market evolving, Wood mentioned three ideas that would be covered in detail. They were the money revolution, which she claims is cryptocurrencies, the financial revolution, which she says is DeFi, and the internet revolution, which she also said was the metaverse. With regard to the financial revolution, she said, the financial revolution is DeFi and really just taking all the middlemen out of the financial ecosystem, a real threat to all of us. I mean, we know that the combination of digital wallets and DeFi is going to hollow out a lot of financial institutions. May already be because a lot of lending and saving is taking place on DeFi because of lower loan rates and higher savings rates. And that's a compelling combination. This made news because she called DeFi a threat. Um, a lot of people believe that because Kathy Wood is a prominent person in the cryptocurrency space and has shown praise for, I believe, Bitcoin and Ethereum before, that she would kind of champion the idea of DeFi. Uh, for those of you, I don't know the entire scope of DeFi, but I know mon- many, many, many DeFi platforms um, have a huge lending portion and also have a huge, um, the word isn't savings. Um, it's also not loans, like how much profit you can get from something. I can't think of the actual, uh, word for it right now. The idea being is that Bitcoin originally cut out the middleman. 
There's no longer a need to go to MoneyGram or to Western Union or to have to even use a cryptocurrency exchange or even a bank. There's no need for me to send you money through another system that finally then gets to you. I can send it directly to you on an immutable blockchain that no one can stop. They may be able to see the transactions where they're going, but they do not know exactly who's getting said transaction. That cuts out a huge portion of the market. Nearly everything that we deal with right now in our world goes through a middleman, and the middleman is there to always collect the fees. What happens when you destroy or get rid of or make obsolete a huge portion of an entire economy? People get a little angry, just to be completely honest with you, but it's the people who are angry at the moment, and this is why we've also seen them entering the space, it has to do with banks. Banks have their hands in everything. This is why we've seen them rapidly trying to enter the cryptocurrency market as quickly as possible, because they realize that not only are they no longer relevant in a world where we have cryptocurrencies, but over the course of the next 10, 20, 30 years, the idea of you, why, why are you you're using a bank? Why don't you just use yourself to send the money back and forth? It sounds completely obvious to us, but to billions of other people on the planet, it doesn't. The idea of having a, an autonomous anything or a system that has thousands of nodes that is not operated in one building by one company that also gives out loans that can be returned to you mathematically through smart contracts is also an absolute revolution. When I talk about a lot of the market being completely undervalued, it's stuff like this. It's the idea that we now have the infrastructure in front of us, no, no mistake for it, to completely move away from the old system. But even a lot of people within the cryptocurrency space don't even see this or really understand exactly what's going on. The idea of you, there was something that we had in the news, it was more than nine months ago, it was definitely last year, it was very warm, that someone had taken out a, a DeFi loan to actually get money as I think their Bitcoin or some other coin was collateral, and they were able to buy a house with that. What happens when you are able to do that peer-to-peer through a smart contract on a DeFi platform, where's the bank? There's no bank to give you a loan. There's no bank to say, well, for the next 35 years, you have to continuously pay us. What happens to the bank? What happens to the, the, the people who print the money when there's no longer a need to print the money because everyone is using a, a cryptocurrency that has a finite supply? Do you understand where all of this is going? So uh, the, the idea of, of a threat to all of us, I assume... Logically, before cryptocurrencies, a lot of these people were definitely into the, tra- the traditional financial sector and have a huge portion of their money in these other companies because people just simply assumed that forever they would need to be a middleman. But as we've moved further as a society and also economically because of cryptocurrencies, uh, there's no longer a need for a, a middleman. I'm not into DeFi so much myself. I think eventually I will probably dabble in it as time goes on if I and looking to make extra profits or to stake my coins or whatever, what have you. But uh, this is going to be the end of the old system. And the idea that there's so many, um, when you hear about like Andresine Horowitz, not that I even uh, pat a lot of these companies on the back because I, you know, you never know how good or how nefarious a company can actually be. When you have to look at the billions of dollars that are constantly being thrown at this, the idea being if you can back these protocols, this would be the new way of you making money or staking money inside of it. When we hear about all the companies who are pushing tons of tons and tons of money into Ethereum to be able to stake, why aren't they taking half a billion dollars and putting that into the bank? 
It's all very obvious if you just look at the actual events taking place around us. So anyway, um, yes, DeFi is the future. Cryptocurrencies are the future. And I, I think part of what... I don't want to use the word annoy, but I'm very anxious to see what the future is going to be like. We have everything set up uh, for a very bright future, but I think the technology, you know, you can either use it A or B, and I hope that we use it um, in A way uh, that kind of benefits everyone. And I think it takes everyone to really play their part in this as well, because a lot of times a lot of people in the market are really just here uh, for the greed part. Like this is why I've, not to ramble on once again, as I always do, but when I say things like pay attention to the market movements, not the actual daily prices, but as far as who's in the market, who's moving, you know, who's in the pool right now, there's a there's a huge um, conflict of interest when you talk about Bitcoin is for everyone or should be, you know, maybe acquired by everyone. And then you have a company who purchases, you know, 8,000 Bitcoin in one day. These people are going to be, and already are, but will be even more so, the richest people on the planet because they realize that the everything is shifting and they're throwing their money into the new market. And part of the problem is tons of people who are even in the cryptocurrency market are going to realize in 10 to 15 years that they could have been a lot richer than they will be in 5 to 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, but they didn't make the right moves because they were waiting for whatever. Anyway, I'm done. I'm done um, rambling. You understand what I'm saying? That's the Kathy Woods said that uh, DeFi is a real threat to all of us. No, it's just the old system. It's it's just the the we we know we no longer need the old systems and the idea of holding on to them. I think is very irresponsible for everyone who's on the planet right now. Why not do what's better? Alrighty, let's move on. Also in the news, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, Prime Minister and ruler of the United Arab Emirates, has announced a new law on virtual assets as well as the establishment of a crypto regulator. In a Wednesday announcement, Sheikh Al Maktoum said he has issued a law creating a legal framework for crypto in the Emirate of Dubai aimed at protecting investors and declaring much-warranted international standards for industry governance. In addition, the ruler said a newly formed Dubai Virtual Asset Regulatory Authority, or VARA, would have enforcement powers in the Emirates' special development and free zones, with the exception of the Dubai International Financial Center. He said, approving the virtual asset law and establishing the Dubai Virtual Asset Regulatory Authority is a vital step that establishes the UAE's position in this sector, a step that aims to help the sector to grow and protect investors. And here's the tweet for it right here. According to Sheikh Al Maktoum, the crypto law will require Dubai residents to register with VARA prior to engaging in crypto-related activities. Aha. Uh-huh. Businesses dealing in virtual asset activities must also establish a presence in Dubai These activities include operating a crypto exchange, conducting transfers of cryptocurrencies, and other services related to offering and trading tokens. I think this is pretty commonplace for what we've seen before. Businesses have always had to do this. The really interesting part is that the normal Dubai residents having to register before they engage in any crypto-related activities is kind of the interesting part to me. 
Because I wonder exactly what that means. Is that like any transfer that's taking place? Is that any time I move my money around? Uh, so um, unsurprising that there's going to be regulation. I, I, I think the idea, and I, I think maybe I've been in this space for so long, that's why. The idea of regulating cryptocurrencies as far as like their movement seems so out of place and so weird to me because they move without needing a, a third party or a third person. The idea of a system, I, I, I can't even give you like a metaphor for it, but it's something as like imagine being able to just simply, I guess this also works, like walk to a lake or a river and drink water. But instead, the only way for you to get it is for another company to get the water, send it to their factory, do something to it, put it into a bottle, ship it around the world, and then have you go and order it online to be able to buy it. There's so many extra steps that don't need to be taken. But I mean, it's also about uh, governments are very worried for their future financial security. They understand what this is. There's a reason why they're regulating it. There's, they understand that it's already in the system, but it's more of a... Many other countries around the world have adopted cryptocurrencies at a rapid pace, and I'm actually quite fascinated at how quickly it's it's actually been done, even if you go to like the last six years or so. But what happens to the government who prints the money that no one uses and everyone simply uses the other system? So it's this kind of, if you're going to use it, you can use it, but use it under our purview. But I, I wonder how how these things could be enforced or like exactly what will cause people to be able to fall in line if the blockchain network itself tells them that they don't have to. You understand what I'm, not even what I'm kind of getting at. I think I just completely, completely said it. Um, we'll see. The future has to happen at some point. And yeah, so I believe all that's still left is the actual proper, 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 proper uh, regulations within the United States as far as like an actual bill being signed, not an executive order like Joe Biden did, but like something actually in paper. Because I'm pretty sure every other country on the planet uh, has proper crypto regulations at this point. But alas, what have you. Yeah, that's the Dubai crypto news. And yeah. Let's move on. And to finish things off, all of Japan's crypto exchanges will adopt the Financial Action Task Force's travel rule on the 1st of April. A move that means most of East Asia's biggest trading platforms will have begun complying with the controversial protocol before the law even obliges them to do so. One thing you have to really understand is that there's so much money at play. It's one thing for a, a government to issue regulations or say that everyone else has to follow a certain type of regulations. This is why Binance complied so fast. They know that this is it is already a multi-trillion dollar market. And this is the very, I, I think it's estimated that less than 3% of the world is actually in crypto. Imagine when that's 15%. Imagine when you have 22% of all the people on the world are into crypto. Imagine 38%. Imagine 47 How rich some of these companies are actually going to become. A lot of times when we get news, especially years ago, I remember there was a time when Coinbase and Gemini, they were, I mean, desperate for regulations. And everyone was like, what are you doing? Why are you asking for regulations? Because 
those who ask for regulations get the cookie first. It's not a, a phrase. Uh, but these are now some of the biggest exchanges on the planet, and, and they're they're this way because they had to comply. Do you remember uh, what was there was another crypto exchange? Was it Bitmex? I don't remember the name of it. That didn't really comply. Wink, wink. A couple of years ago, and they were they were decimated. Like, e- I mean, immediately regulators like jumped down their throats, and they were like, "You can't do this. You can't do that." And I think they had like a one hundred million dollar fine or something like that. So. These things are controversial because I like to believe that people within the cryptocurrency space understand what blockchain and decentralization actually means, but a lot of crypto exchanges end up getting flack for it, and it's like they don't really have a choice. You either get a $100 million fine, and you make no money for the rest of the next 10, 20 years because you're blacklisted, or you get in line. The travel rule essentially requires platforms to stamp out anonymity in crypto transactions in a bid to fight money laundering. At its heart, the rule seeks to create a web of data sharing whereby the senders and the recipients of all crypto asset transfers have to exchange identifying information, flag suspicious transactions, and inform regulators when they spot a transfer that looks out of place. I don't know, once again, how this is actually going to work. I, I, the way that I can imagine it is, if crypto is so in, integrated into everything, it'll basically become like a like the current system that we have right now, where they're like, hey, it's $24.50 for what you're buying. You're like, okay, I'm paying in Bitcoin. Like You are basically like, there's no other way to do it in a store except for paying in crypto. Because as these coins continue to evolve and actually have tons of private transactions on them, how do you make sure that people comply? I, I can't really think of a nicer way of saying it except for like, Bitcoin at some point is going to have completely private transactions. We know this for just a fact. These things have been proposed years ago. I personally think people are waiting for Bitcoin to, be, like the devs, for Bitcoin to become larger before they even announced these proposals once again. But these were proposed a long time ago. Litecoin, I'm pretty sure the Mimblewimble thing also took place. And the what Litecoin also has uh, turn on and off private transactions. But yeah, so this is just another thing in the actual regulatory thing. Um, I don't know if you remember, there was a story. It was definitely 2018 or 2019. Uh, where Andreas Antonopoulos, who's like the, the one of the original Bitcoin bulls, uh, said he was he was flying somewhere and someone recognized him as he was passing through uh, security at an airport. And they were asking him, how much Bitcoin do you have on you? And he was like, none. They were like, don't lie to me. I know you have Bitcoin. This is once again his story. And it was something along the lines of, uh, he told them, he said, I don't have any Bitcoin. It's currently on the blockchain. And their face, he said, it scrunched up because they didn't understand what he was saying. Like even think about it right now. You aren't holding Bitcoin in your hands. You don't have Bitcoin in your pocket. Even if you can see the numbers for Bitcoin on your phone or on your computer, it's on a blockchain. It's on the the wires that are going through every single city. That's where the information is located. You physically do not have Bitcoin. Like you, you understand what I'm saying? You have access to Bitcoin through the private key that you have when you go onto your phone or your computer that gives you access to the Bitcoin that is currently stored within your key and your, um, you understand what I'm saying? So I, 
Okay, I'm going to finish off the thought. Sorry if I'm rambling a lot, but there's so much constantly going on because we see this, like, desperate stretch by regulators to try and make sure that they basically put us in the same old system that we had before. But the new system doesn't work with the old system at all because it doesn't make any sense. You can easily circumvent all of these things. And even the idea of, like, having to tell someone, like, uh, imagine if... Here's a really good one. You've traveled around before. I assume so. When you travel from different country to different country, the one thing they always ask you is how much money do you have on you? They, they always ask if you have more than $10,000 on you. What if you happen to have a, a, a cryptocurrency wallet on your phone that has access to the same exact information that you have on your desktop computer? Do you have to declare as you're entering the country, I have $85,000 worth of crypto on my phone, that would require everyone at all times to constantly have to tell every single person how much money that they had on them. When you don't really like, it's it's the same exact thing. Here's a good one. When you enter, so imagine you have the cryptocurrency on your phone, air quotes, you know, you have $85,000 worth of crypto on your phone as you enter that country. Why don't you also, because you can tap your phone for payments. Got it. When you enter a country and you have $85,000 in your bank account, why don't you have to declare that? It It's on your card. It can also even be on your phone. I know a lot of people who pay, like the little card comes up on the screen and they tap that. That's also money that you're also holding. You understand? Like there's a huge amount of desperation by them to try and make sure that they control everything, but it's not, I can't say that it's not going to work. But there's a lot of hypocrisy because this isn't being done for the old system. Anyway, all right, let's move on. You understand what I'm saying. I I can always talk such a long time about these things, and I would love to have like an actual discussion with a regulator, but I I feel like I would be really condescending, and I don't want to be that way when I'm talking with someone about these things or who is regulating these things. But I want to know how, like, except for scaring people, being like, you're going to get in trouble People people travel the world a lot of times. Like, what's the difference between you declaring that you have $10,000 in paper money on you as opposed to someone... We had this news story before years ago. People traveling from China to the UK wearing $5 million worth of diamonds because they were trying to take money out of China to the other country. Do you have to declare that you're wearing all these diamonds as well? They never asked that question. I've seen people walk through uh, security with Rolexes and all these other things before. That's You're not declaring any of that. So, anyway... Sure, that's the uh, Financial Action Task Force uh, Japanese Cryptocurrency Exchanges News Rules. I don't know how to really say that, but nothing makes sense anymore. Like, it, it, it's so, everything is so out of place, especially when it comes to regulations as well. But I think that's just how it goes. All righty. Not going to load? Okay. I, I, and I, And I did it correctly as well. I made sure to load it. Before I started the video. Um, I do hope that you've all enjoyed. I do hope that you all are having a great day. A great morning. A great afternoon. A great evening. Wherever you are. Wherever you might be. I do hope that it is absolutely fantastic. Thank you all once again. For watching and or listening. And I will most certainly. Be talking to you all soon. See you.